and she slapped this down on the on the on the we were around the pool and she slapped it down next to me and she said here dad i know you care about health read this so she you know a very clever move on her part you know? <laughs> she didn't she knew that that was that i was i you know i i I do sport. I've always kept myself physically active. I, I do care about health. So instead of trying to persuade me through the animals, she 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 obviously went straight for what I was interested in. Welcome to the plant-based DFW podcast weekly show with Dr. Riz and Maya. Our podcast focuses on lifestyle medicine, which is the use of evidence-based lifestyle therapeutic approaches, such as a whole food plant-based diet, regular physical exercise, adequate sleep and stress management to treat and even reverse the lifestyle-related chronic diseases that are all too prevalent. Every week, we will feature physicians, dietitians, health coaches, and everyday people who will share their stories and speak on one of these lifestyle medicine modalities. Let's meet today's podcast guest. Alan Twig is a 55-year-old Englishman who lives in Tenerife in the Canary Islands. He lives with his beautiful German wife. They have two children in Germany and two in the UK. He speaks English, German, and Spanish. He also dances tango and organizes tango events on the island. He practices yoga and meditation daily as well. And in this episode, we will be talking about all of that and more, including his book titled, and suddenly everything changed. We will talk about the inspiration behind that book and how Alan became plant-based himself. Alan was also inspired to write his book because of his own father's heart disease. The objective of the story is to reveal the hidden unhealthy truths about the typical Western diet, about animal agriculture, the impacts of dietary choices on the environment, and ultimately to encourage and motivate everyday people to consider veganism. On his journey, the character Peter meets intriguing characters. Each of these have their own individual story that they share and all are based on people that Alan knew or heard about. We will also learn about Alan's online course titled Plant-Based Heroes. We will learn about his yoga, his tango, how he enjoys meditation. And we will finally talk about the differences that we see in Spain, the UK and Germany when it comes to plant-based eating. I hope you enjoy this episode. All the links will be located in the show notes. So welcome, Alan Twig. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. It's lovely to be here with you both this afternoon. Well, late evening for me here, yeah. Right. Well, and you're, you're coming to us from the Canary Islands. Yeah, I'm in the uh, the Canary Islands, which is a small volcanic island group off the, uh, off the African uh, coast uh, below Spain. Um, and yeah, I've been living here for eight years now, nearly nine years with my with my wife. My children have returned to Germany and but we're still here. I understand it's a beautiful place and it has a, it has been on my uh, list of places that I'd like to go to in my lifetime. So Tenerife where I live is the main island. It's so I suppose it's like the big island if you're thinking about Hawaii. So it's the, it's the main island. It's got the highest mountain in Spain at 3700 meters. I don't know I don't know how many feet that is, but it's high. It's mm-hmm. high. The 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 air is thin up there. And because we've got this huge, well, effectively, it's the volcano in the middle of the island. uh, There are 27 different climate zones on the one island. Wow. And so whatever you want, if you like the wind with the, like it's still, if you like it hot, your rain, we even get snow here in the winter. I mean, it's all here. So it's Mm -hmm. it's an amazing island. And also from the vegetation, we've got, um, you know, we've got 
trees like in California, we've got the, the pine trees and the, you know, the big old pine trees, but we've also got cactuses and it's it, the, the vegetation around the island is so different depending on which area you're in. It's a really special place. Yeah. Very interesting. We, we, we go on a, there's a walk that we go on. It's just absolutely fascinating where you, you literally take five steps and you move from one climate zone to the next. And it's, it's, it's literally like a line where on the one side, there's all cactuses. So it's just cactus barren, you know, and then literally five steps later, it's law bear, like green. Uh, it's, it's really, really strange place in, in certain places. So yeah, we, it's a good place to be. Yeah. Sounds fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's uh, we are, we have, we have a particular affinity for the Hawaiian islands and, and especially Maui. Uh, and we go visit there a lot. And uh, I've been fascinated by all the different climate zones they have there. Uh, now, I've never experienced that just stepping on one side of the line or the other. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I can, we can, in just a few minutes, uh, a walk from one place to another, you can tell the difference or a drive. So it, it, that sound, that's neat. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. I want to mention to our listeners that one of the things that you'll share with us is that you, as a result of this pandemic and the lockdown, you have now created your own podcast and you have an online course related to going vegan. Um, so we, before we talk about those, can you share with us your story of how you became vegan, plant-based? The trigger for, for me becoming uh, plant-based was my daughter, who previously at first become vegetarian and then a couple of years before she managed to persuade me she'd become uh, uh, plant-based so she she wanted to go on a vegan diet and she was inspired she'd always been very close she'd always like going and tending to horses and she uh, spent a lot of the times in the stables and I think you know she'd probably looked into the eyes of the horse and appreciated you know this a creature with feelings and so on and, and you know she was a young girl and I think that that happens to a lot of young girls so she she became, she became vegan. She dropped the bombshell on us. She'd returned from a holiday in Germany. Uh, we were having a meal one evening and she said, look, I've got to tell you, I've decided I'm, I'm going to go on a plant-based vegan diet. Uh, and at that time, this was literally was six years ago, I was completely ignorant. I had no, literally no idea at all what it meant. Really nothing. I, I said the usual things, you know, oh, you know, you're going to waste away. <laughs> you're going to be anemic. You'll be thin. You'll have no energy. Uh, you know, all the, all the things that I, at that time, had in my mind. If somebody said, oh, you know, you know what's she going to eat? You can't just live on cabbage and carrots, you know. This, 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 was, this was the idea I had about it all. So all the, all the things, you know, where you're going to get your protein, so I was actually, actually genuinely a little bit concerned, genuinely concerned for her health. Seems absolutely ridiculous now. But. It, it, is, it is hilarious because um, our culture eats an unhealthy diet. And so when somebody says they're going to be vegan, which is a healthier diet, sure. uh, they think, uh, uh, number one, they think you're, uh, you've been in, inducted into a cult. You know, uh, but you said, you said, drop the bombshell. Yeah, my God. Oh my God, they're going vegan. And, and, then, they, and then they do come up with all these uh, health issues, which they're all concerned about, but they, they don't make the connection that their diet is actually the unhealthy diet, you know, and that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I, and it's strange, you know, I used to hear things and they used to kind of just bounce off me and oh, you know, healthy fats. I had no idea what's saturated fat, what's a trans fat, you know, oh, who cares? It was just 
it didn't meant nothing to me whatsoever, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'd never, I'd never really thought much about diet. I'd always, I think, like most people, thought that I was eating a relatively healthy diet. It probably wasn't, but you know, I was kidding myself. I'd, I'd never really thought about it that much, you know. Yeah, so I, I get that a lot as a physician. My patients will talk to me, "Oh, I eat healthy," and then when you delve into what they're eating, uh, their their thought process is just it's so unfounded it's no there's no science no data no evidence it's just based on what they hear on tv or somebody else has told them uh so uh yeah many people think they're eating healthy but they're really not i was 50 at the time you know or nearly 50 i think i was 50 and and to have reached that age and to have been so ignorant to my shame you know so my daughter she she um she lives in germany she's now 22 years old she's independent and she Five years ago, she came back and we had a, a, a holiday in La Gomera, which is a little island just off the south coast of Tenerife. And she brought with her the book, uh, How Not to Die, from uh, Michael Greger. Mm-hmm. And she slapped this down on the, on the, on the, we were around the pool and she slapped it down next to me and she said, here, dad, I know you care about health, read this. So she, you know, a very clever move on her part. You know? She didn't. She knew that that was that I was. I, you know, I, I I do sport. I've always kept myself physically active. I, I do care about health. So instead of trying to persuade me through the animals, she 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 obviously went straight for what I was interested in. Um, and I read the first chapter. I don't know if you you probably read the book, right? From mm-hmm. from yeah, and. Uh, I read the first chapter and it resonated so much with me because my father, uh, well, my, my grandfather, first of all, had died of, of heart disease. So that was my grandfather. My, my own father, aged 63, 64, got angina. And then he went through the whole thing. You know, he had blood thinning tablets. Then he got the stents and then he had the triple bypass. And, and I saw all this going on and I knew that, did you know, saw his chest open and, it, you mm-hmm. know, this, this, this horrible thing that they'd done to him, you know, and taken veins out of his legs and sewn it onto his heart. And, and I was there the day he came out of hospital, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just didn't fancy that for myself. And since that I'm his son, uh, you know, obviously you think, well, you know, my grandfather's had heart disease, my father's had heart disease, you know, and I'm now 50. So, and so I start reading the book. And of course the first chapter is about his grandmother who goes into the, to the clinic uh, and she's one of the first people to ever receive the treatment. I think there at that time, how he explains it in the book. But I remember being so, it was just jaw dropping. I just couldn't believe what I was reading. I was reading this, 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 this material from Dr. Greger. And I just, I, 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 I read through the first chapter so quickly. And then I reread it because it just, just, just seemed so unbelievable that this information that you could treat effectively treat heart disease just through diet and, and exercise. That was like a complete revelation for me. I just, I'd never, I'd never really thought that that could, it's never crossed my mind that, 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 that uh, idea. I mean, when my dad had had heart disease, you know, I, I did, I remember saying to him, maybe you could eat a little bit healthier dad, mm-hmm. but I never really thought, you know, that it could actually be used to treat what he had that had, those thoughts had never crossed my mind at all so yeah I mean I was I was really on board when I when I read that and and then I read the following chapters uh and I don't think I've ever read a book as fast in my entire life mm. I mean, literally went from and it's a big book 
within I think two or three days I was I was through it uh, and then my and then my daughter took me you know because we were on holiday and uh, we were in a hotel where there's a buffet so you can choose your own food and we were there for so we were having a half board so we were there for breakfast and evening meal and my daughter we took me to the buffet you know and she was showing me this new world you know hey dad look these are oats <laughs> guess what yeah you don't need to put cow's milk on them you can put this rice milk on or almond milk why don't you give it a try these here are chia seeds and there's protein in these here and she was she was kind of teaching me you know but I was open then I was open to thinking well I'd seen what my father had gone through and after I read the book and realized that a lot of the other chronic diseases as well not just heart disease but diabetes Alzheimer's part you know there's a whole list of them so I was enthusiastic about learning I, I think I'd more or less made the decision then that it seemed like a sensible thing to do. If you, if you could perhaps prevent, you know, chronic disease, then why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. It just seemed, uh, it just seemed logical thing for me then. I like what you said. You said it's a sensible thing to do. Uh, I wish more people understood that and were sensible about their choices. Yeah. You're going to be surprised on this one. It was freely the banana girl. I know that your daughter was watching freely. <laughs> Yeah, well, that yeah. was at the time when I was saying to her, you're going to die. And she was saying, no, there's a woman on YouTube who just lives on bananas. Yeah, <laughs> it was Freely who I started watching first before I read Dr. McDougall's books and all that. I mean, everything happened around the same time. But when I saw how fit she was, she was a cyclist. And she said, you do not have to harm animals to be healthy. Mm -hmm. One day to the next. I was vegan. I was done. And that's funny because I would watch, I would be around when she's watching these YouTube videos of Freely, the banana girl. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm a physician. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. And, uh, and oh, she's a cyclist. And, but I didn't really watch that stuff. Uh, and then, uh, uh, she got me educated similar in a fashion that your daughter did. She, uh, she gave some evidence-based stuff and suddenly I was hooked too. So. It wasn't, uh, no, you know, the banana girl or the cyclist that got me. It was uh, real science. I guess you said about five years ago and uh, you were on your uh, holiday and then she was teaching you different foods in the buffet. She was showing me uh, all, the, all the foods that you could eat. And, um, uh, but I was, I was really open f to it. I'd, 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 my, my paradigm had changed. Mm. The way I saw the world had changed because... because at that time, purely on, on health grounds. Suddenly I couldn't believe, I thought, why, why, why are we eating meat when it's making us ill? Because I just read this book and I'd seen the evidence and there's a lot of evidence. Um, and, and, I, and it was almost like, why would I want to put that in my body now if I know that it's gonna probably lead me to the same place that my grandfather was and my, and my own father? That'd be stupid. That would be a stupid thing to do. You know, I kind of think maybe got this, this impression of me getting to, you know, 65 or whatever, suddenly getting pains in my chest and then thinking, well, you idiot, 15 years ago, you knew how to stop this happening. And I, I, I think that was, I don't think I could have lived with myself having been so uh, reckless, you know, with myself. So yeah, I was on board. We got back to Tenerife. And uh, my daughter took me then shopping. We cleared out the cupboards here. We, we identified the things that I could still eat and the things that perhaps were, you know, would never, you know, so obviously any meat that might have been left in the fridge or so it all went and we went shopping for the first time. And uh, it was very, very interesting. You know, the first, the first shop, my daughter showing me 
the you know the beans and all the things that you could do and the nuts and and so I had this shopping trolley full of things that literally I'd never bought before ever in my life. It was just like, so it's like I picked somebody else's shopping trolley <laughs> and she'd be saying to me at the checkout, look, dad, look at everybody else. Look, they've all got trolleys full of dead animals. You know, <laughs> that's obviously was, was more her focus, but I thought that's a strange thing to say. And she's saying, but you now you're, you, you there's no dead animals in your trolley. Did you notice uh, that probably when you weren't buying all that meat, your, the cost of your groceries went down? Oh yeah, I mean where I, where I can, yeah. I mean yeah. here in, in Tenerife, there's not a, a great deal, so we've not got a lot of fresh organic food. But w- there's there's stores where we can get, you know, like um, so your legumes and and all of that kind of thing. And um, sometimes we'll have some uh, some plant based meats and and those uh, those things. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think we're actually saving money. We could do. I mean, obviously we, I mean, mm-hmm. I, know, I know some fantastic black bean and rice recipes mm-hmm. now, and you could, you know, I mean, you could, you could live really cheaply if you wanted to, no doubt about that. Yeah. And what I'll also be doing lately is um, doing the sprouting, you know, which mm-hmm. is to make salads and, yeah. and things. So, and that's really cheap as well. I hadn't thought about that question that you just asked, but what I've noticed from someone who was buying animal-based products at one time when I did groceries is that um, now for that same amount of price, we're getting a lot more ingredients and a lot more spices. So the variety is much larger than when you're eating animal-based. So I always pay attention when I'm checking out at the uh, grocery store uh, and uh, I look at my, my, my cart uh, and it's full of a diversity of fruits and vegetables and all natural foods and then the person in front of me it's all boxed or uh you know or there's lots of meats and you can tell there's it's such an amazing difference between uh the foods of a person who eats plant-based versus uh who doesn't yeah uh it's it's fascinating yeah I actually feel proud when I'm putting my all my groceries and I'm I'm looking at the cashier. I'm going, I wonder if she knows that I'm vegan. Look mm-hmm. at all the stuff that I have. And there are a lot of colors, you know, that I'm putting on the on the belt. <laughs> so <laughs> compared they to everybody else. But every blue moon I'm asked, how do you cook this or how do you eat this? I've been curious and then I love it when things like that happen because then I can contribute a little bit and plant a seed. That's right. Yeah, no, it's yeah for the people that are ready. It's definitely that's the case. Um, yeah. Have you not noticed the experience in like a normal supermarket when you walk down when you have to walk down the meat aisle? It's like really, I, I don't know. It really turns me off now. You know, it, you just want to get out of there. It's like a mortuary. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, what our supermarket actually is designed so there's a pathway you have to follow. So you literally have to go through the meat section to get to the next area. And I actually hold my breath. Oh, because, I do that too. <laughs> because the, the smell is so uh, disgusting to me or uh, un, unpleasant. Uh, so I, I make a game of it. I take my breath and start walking to see if I can get through the whole section without breathing again. You know, Isn't that strange? And if you were having visitors now to your home, say, and they wanted to buy meat, you probably wouldn't want the meat in your fridge, would you? No, no. no way. Every time we make a choice to eat, we're very aware of what we're doing and that we're not harming animals anymore so i mean that came that kicked in afterwards for me tell us about that and i also want to know about you know its impact on your family and uh, what did other family members do as far as uh, their diet i don't think it was that long but you know it and i can't really remember wh- why but some at some point not not so long after i'd made the decision uh 
because when I'm usually I'm that kind of person when I when I make a decision like that, then I I, I do stick to it. You know, I'm, I I go all in, and then that's it. Yeah, at some point you you, you kind of realise that you're not part of the suffering anymore. Uh, that that's how I, I kind of frame it. I I, I sort of realised that you know I wasn't yeah part of the 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 industry, part of the killing, part of the all the nonsense that goes on with subsidies and corruption and, and all of that. And suddenly I was free of all that, you know, and it wasn't going into my body and I wasn't a part of that. And that was definitely a very, very nice feeling. And it's at that point then when you can start being honest with yourself about the, all the denial that you've been in for, you know, the last 50 years or, you know, not 50 years, maybe or since, since you're old enough to understand what's going on, you know, you, I think, I always say that everybody kind of knows, everybody's got to play, you know, you, you don't go there, you know that, you know, I mean, I certainly knew that bacon was from a pig, but you never really think about it too much. You eat it uh, and, and, and don't like to go there. It's normal, it's tradition, it's what everybody does. So, you know, that we've always eaten, we have to eat it, of course, because if we didn't eat it, we would die from protein deficiency. So, you know, <laughs> we make these... <laughs> We make these excuses and we, we don't go there. And when you when you make a decision to go plant-based, then you're able to be a lot more honest with yourself and 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 you know go to those places and actually start to to um to think about it. And that's when I started watching all the documentaries, you know, that you know my daughter sent me them to watch <laughs> as well. But you know, and then there's the Gary Yurovsky one on YouTube that I remember really clearly. Um yeah, and you and you and you realise that it's 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 terrible what's going on not not only for for ourselves, not only for the animals, but also for the environment. And it's just this like like I say, like a whole new world opens up, and it's yeah, you you've just entered you you know you've taken the red pill, you're in the matrix, and mm -hmm. that's the, that's the <laughs> that's it. everything looks different, you know, and it's really weird, you know. We go for a, for a meal, and we'll. If we go, we'll go maybe to an Indian restaurant or we'll go somewhere Chinese or Lebanese, somewhere where they do just vegetable dishes. And you can, you know, because in Tenerife, we don't have very many vegan options as far as dining out. So we, mm. we tend to go to Asian restaurants and then choose the, the, the vegetable options. But yeah, and the people around you are in this still in this world that you were in. And I always find that really kind of interesting. And sometimes I know that not so much now, but at the beginning, I wanted to kind of jump over and say, hey, <laughs> dude, <laughs> why are you eating that chicken? <laughs> Don't you know that chickpeas taste great? <laughs> yeah. So uh, when did, uh, or how did uh, your other family members take this and have others changed as well? Well, my wife was, was, was great. I mean, she was, so as soon as... We, it felt like we were making this. I mean, I got all enthusiastic about this book, you know, and uh, and my wife was just happy to go along with it. You know, if I was so enthusiastic, then why not? And so, and we we didn't really have a, we, we, my wife was never really cooking all the time. So cooking, we used to do between, so sometimes I cook, sometimes she cooked. We didn't really have much of an idea, either of us. It was just, <laughs> you know, random, whatever, you know, there was no, there was no love or, or, or care taken into cooking anything from either of us. So she was happy to go along with that. She saw that it made sense, you know, from a, from a animal point of view, from a, uh, so very supportive. Uh, and that's great, of course, now, because, 
you know, we're both in it together, which is great. Um, my, um, my brother is a, a marathon runner, an Ironman uh, uh, athlete, and he's almost accidentally vegan anyway. He just mm. eats a little bit of fish because he's very conscious about getting the maximum performance, recovery time. And he's, he's kind of wandered into it anyway because of his sport. So, so he, he absolutely no problem there. My, my sister, she's the same, very supportive. My children also, um, it's really strange actually. I think the, the only, the only, it's really only my parents that are still a little bit confused. Mm. You know, even my father who's, who, you know, he's still alive. He's had the bypass uh, and their, their diet is, is terrible. Uh, but they're nearly 80 now, so I, I don't think they'll they'll change. I've tried to explain, but no, I mean, no problem at all. I've, um, all my children, I mean, Leah, my son, that's an interesting one. My, okay, so I've got four children altogether. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, two in England and two in Germany. Okay, uh, Leah is, is the youngest, and as I've explained, the vegan one who changed me. Uh, but Tom, he he's um, 24, and until this year, he smoked, drank, and had a normal diet like everybody else, and was hanging out with his mates, and that kind of that was his life. But this year, he's had a complete transformation because, like a lot of young people now, he goes to the gym. He wants to have, you know, I don't know whether it's Instagram or whatever, but everybody <laughs> seems to want to have a fantastic. Everybody seems to want to have a fantastic body now when you're 24. I can't. I mean, <laughs> this is this is the thing. So, so Leah, uh, uh, I mean, obviously Leah had been saying to him, Tom, you know, you you can you can train, you can have muscles, you can have all of this stuff on a on a plant based diet, and he just ignored her. Uh, he didn't want to know. It was uninteresting. Stupid people eat plants. I mean, we all eat meat, the whole thing. But this year, at some point, he was in the gym, and one of the other guys, who's really uh, I think 27, a few years older than him, perhaps nearly 30, with this fantastic body. And Tom went over to him and to have this, you know, ask him if he got any trip tips for him or so on. And he told him that he was it was plant-based. So Tom said, you're joking. He said, no, 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 so I'm plant-based, been eating this diet. He said, and, and he said, it's fantastic because I can then recover quicker and so on. And he told him to watch the Game Changers. Mm-hmm. So my son watched the Game Changers. And, lit- and 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 went vegan as well. So since since June, he's been and what he tells me is unbelievable, really unbelievable. So he watched the game changes. He decided to change his diet, and for him, it was purely about getting this body. You know, he wanted to recover quicker so he could get a really good body. He'd also had problems with his skin. He'd had dry skin and so on, and he noticed that all of this had cleared up as well. So his skin had got better. This is something he noticed. So he decided to stop smoking as well uh and then he noticed that because he'd been on this since he'd been on this plant-based diet that for some reason he got his hangovers seemed to he'd probably become a little bit more sensitive i don't know but he he seemed that when he went out drinking he said that his hangovers were not very nice and so he decided to stop drinking as well not he didn't say he was stopping drinking forever but he definitely wanted to see what would happen so he was obviously experimenting but he also plays football and he says he said to me that it's absolutely unbelievable dad he said i can run and run and run on a football pitch now he said i don't even get thursday he <laughs> said i can outrun it he says my speed's increased 
is 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 um, I say it um, uh, endurance is, is improved, uh, is faster. I mean, he's he, he's complete. So so two of my children now are vegan. My other two kids in 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 England, Adam's vegetarian, wants to go vegan, and hmm. David, my eldest son, keeps having uh, he he's. He tries every now and again, but it's difficult for him because his partner is, is not very supportive. So, yeah. Um, Do you plan on having either of your children on the podcast? I think that would make for an interesting show. Uh, your daughter and how she became plant-based, how she even knew to bring you the How Not to Die book. And then, of course, your athletic son. That would be a great story, too, for your podcast. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> So I had the opportunity to listen to your book. So it's the same story, but it's now called And Suddenly Everything Changed. I think that's a great title because when I think of the reason why you wrote the book, you know, and how um, you talked about why you didn't do a nonfiction as opposed to kind of a fiction storytelling uh, path you took that path because people tend to be a little bit more open so a lot of these characters that you mentioned in your book were inspired by other people in your life or stories that you've heard and then of course he narrates the entire book which I really like so as we're speaking it's like reminding me of uh, the stories that you were telling in your book I think you have a great voice for narrating as well so yeah. so tell us a little bit about the book and uh, why you wrote it and what it's about well thank you very much yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, no, nobody likes listening to their own voice, yeah, you know. You're right. <laughs> so it's it is it, it, it was a difficult decision. I actually put that out. Uh, I I had a, a few professional narrators do a, a an extract, and then I asked people, and at the end, people said, "Why don't you just do it yourself? You'll be more enthusiastic about it. You'll put your own passion into it." So, yeah, I decided to to do that. So I was wondering how. How close is uh, Ellen to Peter? How similar are they? Because I know that this is a fictional character, uh, Peter, and he goes through a journey towards waking up to this vegan lifestyle. Um, I wondered how much you borrowed from Ellen to create Peter. I never really thought about that, but I think I think like with with every author, you, you know, you you obviously put your own personality, you know, goes into into each character. I think I think Peter's probably a little bit how I would have been, perhaps if I'd have been a, a postman in Sheffield. That's probably the kind of attitude I would have had previously. And Peter's also a little bit like my father. My father's very, um, you know, he's got a very very working class background, uh, you know, uneducated really. Um, you know, not 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 uh, stupid, but. Um, got that kind of I don't know you've got to get on with life you know things happen shits happen it n- never showed a great deal of sympathy but in a, in a good way you know when we were children we it was very um you know if we have had problems there was never really any sympathy so get up get on with it and that was the kind of attitude you know it was uh so there's there's part of that in definitely in, in Peter um because I just think that's how a lot of people people are I mean I've, I've noticed that in um you know, a lot of people who go plant-based and, and, and vegan, they tend to be more educated people, tend to be people who are more aware or, or I don't know, somehow in a different circumstance. It just seems to be that if, if because I know in the tango scene, most people tend to also be very well-educated or have business. It's, it's that kind of 
personally, you don't find many plumbers dancing Argentine tango, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, they, they tend to be psychologists or doctors or teachers or, you know, it's just how it is. But in the, in the tango scene as well, there's a lot of... So you're, you're far more likely to find people who are vegetarian or plant-based or vegan or certainly aware of it than you are back in my original hometown of Sheffield in the pub, you know, so, so that's kind of who I wrote the book for. I wanted to get the message out to people who are perhaps with my kind of background of not, yeah, normal people, or something, or normal mm -hmm. people. What I liked a lot about your story is that Peter goes on this journey and meets various characters. So as I'm listening to it, because I love audiobooks as well, I'm thinking of different people in my life. And I'm thinking, how would this book impact them? Could they connect with any of those characters in your book? And also where, how would we tell our story um, just from listening to, you know, Peter's journey of um, having health conditions and then learning that other people have benefited from going plant-based. So can you tell our listeners a little more about Peter and uh, what your book is about? Yeah. So Peter is the main character in the book. And what I wanted to achieve with the book was that anybody can pick up the book or listen to the book and not feel threatened in any way, shape or form, because Peter himself is skeptical. He's he, That was the idea that this guy is the last person on the planet that would ever go on a plant-based diet. This is the beginning of his journey. So he starts from a place of where most people are, you know, you know you're never going to enjoy your food again. It'll never taste nice. Why would you ever want to do that? You know, all, all the things that everybody says. So this is Peter. So as Peter goes through the book, so he goes on a, a journey of transformation from he, he originally gets a, a heart disease and he's diagnosed with heart disease and he gets the traditional diagnosis. Um, but his wife does yoga and he explains to his wife and his wife, there's a guy, Michael, at the yoga class who's a marathon runner now. And she, she remembers that Mar Michael also had heart disease, but never had surgery, but now he's running marathons. So this, this makes Peter interested as to how this could happen. So he goes to the yoga class with his wife just to meet Michael. And then Michael points him in the direction of the nutritionist. Mm. And each of these characters, so Michael, the marathon runner, and uh, Gail, the nutritionist, and, and all the other characters in the book, each of these people have their own story as well, as you know, if you've listened to it. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that Peter is the, is the listener. So Peter is asking the questions that the listener would want to, you know. So if, if Peter's, if somebody tells him, oh, you know, you can, you can, you can go on a plant-based diet and it will help, you know, you to, to get over your heart disease or whatever it is people are telling him. He's skeptical. He doesn't believe it. He's, he's questioning. So he's taking the role of the, of the listener or the person who's reading the book. And it makes it very unthreatening. You're just simply following a story. You're, you're listening to how Peter takes on the information and how he interprets it and how he uh, decides to make, you know, make these decisions in his own life. But the, in a not in a completely non-threatening, nobody ever says, "Hey, you listener, you've got to go vegan." <laughs> you, you know, uh, <laughs> so that's that that's the idea. So as as he progresses through each of these characters, and of course, each of these characters have got their own story. Um, you we we follow him as as we as he slowly begins to change, and and how he he he, he his mind sees starts to see the world in a in a different way. 
which I think really is the journey that most of us go on when we go on a plant-based diet, you know, as we were talking about earlier, I think, well, maybe not everybody. I mean, perhaps most people are not quite as ignorant as I was, but certainly <laughs> there are people who start from that position who, who then can go, go through and, 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 um, and learn. So that's what I wanted to achieve that, that people could, and I just had this idea that if, if, if you're already, if you already know um, what we know, so if you're already on a plant-based diet or you're on a vegan diet and you're completely, you know, convinced, which of course you are, if you're on that diet, it's also a book or a story that you can give to your friends without them hating you. I like what you say without feeling threatened um, because uh, you give them a book that says, you need to be vegan. It's very, it's very different than following a journey of some guy. It, it might, it, it might cause that person reading the book to be more open to self introspection and self awareness. So what happened was my wife and I, we were, we were on a, a we were at a tango event. So before Corona happened, we used to travel to dance tango and we were in Italy in 2000, March, 2019. Seems like 20 years ago, now, but <laughs> yes. it was literally <laughs> it's 18 months. Last year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we danced until two in the morning. We got up, we had some breakfast and we, we were in Vicenza, which is, I don't know if you know, but anyway, it's in Northern Italy. And we, we walked down into the, into the city and we, we went into a bar for a coffee and, uh, and I must have had it on my mind. And I just said to my wife, do you know what? I, I'm thinking of, of, of writing a book. And uh, I'd not really thought to, it sounds a really odd thing to say, but I did say that to her. And she responded by saying, well, what will it be about? And, and just this question, <laughs> oh, okay, what will it be about? Yeah. And we literally, I got literally to this, this thought process. And by the time, so we, we had the coffee, we had maybe something to eat. And by the time we got back to the hotel two hours later, the whole, got it, it was, the whole story was there. It, it, it was like literally that quick. I'd, I'd, I'd really gone, okay, yeah, and there's this guy and he meets, yeah, and then he could meet this guy and that could happen and this could happen and bang. And by the time I got back to the hotel, the, the outline it was just finished. And I said, oh God, that's cool. That's a really cool story. So, and I, I didn't write anything down, literally got back to Tenerife and started writing it. That's amazing, wonderful, and you're an excellent storyteller. I think that's why I enjoy the audiobook because it's like I'm sitting there listening to you telling stories. It's, 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 it's the first book I've ever written. To it's uh, good to get some wow. good feedback. Did you have like an editor or anybody else looking at the book? I did. I, I, I'm not that self-confident. I am a self-confident, but not that self-confident. So I, I, I wrote the book uh, as I thought, and then uh, I went on to Fiverr and found yes. somebody who was offering uh, editing services and, and um, to give you tips about how you could perhaps improve it. Uh, she sent me back a draft and then I, I, I rewrote a fair bit, to try and make it better. Uh, and then there was the, the, the chapter that, did you, do you remember the chapter where he meets the, his mates in the pub? Yes. Mm -hmm. That chapter was very short. Uh, and I went back and completely rewrote that because I thought I could make it a lot better. And, and I actually really like that chapter now because this is the, so he's gone through this, he's, he's learned so much and now he goes to meet his mates in the pub. And I don't know what he's in, in Texas, but you know, an English pub, you know, the, the lads come together, they all have a pine and they tell you what they think of you and your opinions and anything else. You know, they're very yes. honest. 
it's mm. where they start kind of teasing him right about he's gaining all this information and his mates are telling him well you know whatever <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, but no, I mean, actually, they were, they were very soft on him compared to what reality probably <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. So people can find your book on audible.com, right? Yes, or on my website. There's all, it's also on my website, okay. uh, which is alantwig.org. But yeah, it's available on Audible. It's, it's, so it's called And Suddenly Everything Changed. And uh, yeah, it's three hours, just over three hours long. I didn't want to, write, didn't want to make it too long either. So the, the that was about my my goal. Three hours, perfect. Yeah. It's amazing that you had the outline done from the time you went for your coffee to the time you went home. You kind of just knew, right? Yeah. The, the reason that, I, that I, I, I've listened to a lot of success books over the years, a lot of success books. And the, there was one book that I've listened to over and over again, which had a similar format. And it, and it was that that inspired me. So the format of that book where this guy goes and meets different people, it's a completely different story, but it, the format is similar. And that, I, I really, really, uh, I always found that book so much more easier to consume and informative than the factual books about whatever it was you were trying to achieve. The, you know, when, so that, that was my inspiration for the, for, the, for, the, for the structure. It is a very attractive structure, a journey of self-discovery through people you meet uh, in your life. Uh, and how you change as a result of it. I, I, we lo I love that kind of a story. You know? Speaking of that, uh, I, I like that in your book, you have people that make the decision for the animals and you have people that make the decision for the environment. So you're really covering all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have a farmer who transformed his own land uh, to growing organic crops, I think it was. He'd inherited a family farm. His farm, his, it, the farm had always been a dairy farm. You know, it, it, um, so he'd always had this, you know, at some point the cows would be taken away for slaughter uh, and he'd, he'd inherited the farm, but he'd got a young family himself and he just started to question what was going on and, and started to see things in a, in a different light. And eventually he got to the point where he knew, he knew that the animals knew that the trucks were coming to take them away to be slaughtered. He knew the animals knew and they were looking him in the eye, you know, and they've got big eyes and he just, he just couldn't live with his conscience anymore. And so he, he made a decision to go against, I mean, it was a family that farm that had been in for generations. So, but he decided then to, to not do be part of it. He didn't want to be part of that anymore and uh, trans find another way, find another way to, to, yeah, start to grow organic crops and so on. And that story was inspired from something I'd watched on a, on a BBC documentary about a farmer in the, in, I'm not sure, somewhere in England who had actually done that. So that mm -hmm. was, that was the inspiration for, for, for him in the book, because yeah, I'd, I'd watched that and thought, well, that's cool. And you know, the, the last, the last cows then had been taken to a sanctuary rather than been taken off to, to slaughter and they'd shown you these pictures of the, the cows coming down the ramp and they were free uh, and I'm into freedom so yeah it was a nice uh, a nice thing yeah so I want to change directions a little bit uh, because we're obviously uh, going to run out of time soon for our listeners I want to see if you can discuss your perspective uh, most of our listeners are in the United States we have uh, we do have we've looked at the data and statistics and we have some international listeners but the majority are here and so I'd like to know if you would be able to discuss the perspective uh, uh, that you see in, you've got experience with Germany, uh, Spain, and England, the, the perspective of veganism and, and plant-based life there. 
Um, I mean, what I what I what I hear and feel is that there's a significant movement, for example, going on in the United Kingdom, uh, where your you know plant based nutrition and veganism is really taking hold. So, do you have any thoughts on that for those three three countries, or just you know as a representation of Europe for us to hear? Definitely true about the UK. Uh, there's a there's a big movement towards uh, plant based eating in the UK. All the major supermarkets now have got big sections dedicated to plant based foods. So you can see if they're you know if the supermarkets are investing like they are. There is, and uh, the numbers are very impressive. It's a it's a big movement in the UK, and even now uh, on the high street and and most most cafes will now do a, a plant-based option. It's, it's actually very encouraging in the UK, that's for sure. Germany, I would say, is a little bit further behind the UK, um, but also uh, it's a lot easier in Germany than it is here in Spain. Mm -hmm. Spain is, is definitely nowhere near as far uh, on as, as, as the UK and Germany. Uh, where I am here in the Canary Islands, even less so. So in, in Spain... Obviously, Barcelona, Madrid, the big cities, you might, you might find some options. But I was in Madrid last year. And compared to, compared to the UK, it's, it's, it's not the, it's, it's years behind, really. Mm. And the awareness here as well in Spain is, is not as high. Like in the UK, I think most people would, would have a, a rough idea. Certainly people would know that if you say vegan, it means that you don't eat cheese, dairy products, meat. They would most, I would say majority of people would know that. Whereas here in Spain, they don't know that. They don't know what it means. So they, they kind of understand vegetarianism, but they, the, very few people here understand the difference between being vegan and vegetarian. And so, so yeah, Spain's definitely further behind as far as I can uh, see um mm. apart from of course in the in the we were in in portugal so where the big universities are or where there's lots of tourists you tend to get a lot of plant-based vegan restaurants and so on uh we were in lisbon in, in portugal that was very good france is terrible by the way we were in france <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> desert a plant-based desert in in france really speaking of that the last time we traveled i was already vegan yeah, when we were in Madrid and Barcelona. We I did a Mediterranean we, we, cruise yeah. and we were in Spain and, and France. And I that was, was about five years ago. Yeah. And I remember how difficult. And I think you're right. France was the hardest place for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, All was, I can eat is like a baguette and what else? I mean, yeah. really. But so, uh, Ellen, I also would like to hear more about your podcast. Um, you just started it in October. What is your goal with your podcast? And then I'd love to learn more about your online course. The podcast actually is absolutely in its infancy. There's only one episode so far. Uh, and I'm, I, that was with my sister. Uh, and I, I, I really love uh, the podcast. I've always listened to audio. That's why I decided to, to write the book because I wanted it to be an audio. Uh, and I, and I, but I kind of got stuck a little bit with, uh, you know, you have to kind of find a niche. And obviously you, you've got, you guys have got your niche, you're a vascular surgeon and so on. That's like a, a unique point of, 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 you know, where you can come at it from that experience. Whereas, and, and I, I kind of made my first episode and then suddenly got stuck with, I, I want to find like a, my own little space somehow. And, and, 
so yeah, I'm a little bit stuck by that. So I don't really know at this moment where that's going to go. I know that I want to, want to do it and I am going to do it, but I'm still a little bit unsure about, I had this idea about interviewing uh, professional football play, soccer players in the UK who'd gone plant-based. So like, because I wanted to somehow connect it to the book. So the book is more about that kind of normal working class kind of background. They're the kind of people who go and watch soccer, you know, so football. And so I thought, oh, it'd be really cool if I could speak to athletes who would resonate with, with that uh, demographic. So I had that idea. I've actually got a long list of, of, of footballers who are plant-based, but I've not actually reached out, out to them. So I had that thought. Well, just like my podcast, my online course is also very much in its infancy. <laughs> um, the, pod, the, the, the online course was born simply out of the fact that I couldn't run my um, tango uh, mm. uh, event business anymore. You know, we still can't do it now. So everything was obviously, all the events were cancelled. So I, I had to think, okay, well, I wanted to do something else. And I had this idea of doing an online course for, for going plant-based to help people um, from, you know, I always go back to that, to that place of ignorance or, or knowing very little to, to help people go all the way through with all the resources, all the excuses that people make, how to reply to the excuses, how, uh, recipes, uh, habit change. Uh, I think there's eight modules in the in the course altogether, and I just started. Like I do most things, I had the decision. Okay, I'll do it. Next morning, I was there writing out the first the first chapter of the first module, and day by day, and and I finished at the end of June. Um, it's over a hundred a hundred videos, a hundred pages, eight modules. And just, just, just day after day, one after the other, uh, trying to distract myself from the craziness of the Corona world. And, uh, yeah. And then, and I got to the end in June and, and now really I'm slowly getting to the point now where I'm beginning just to find a, starting to promote it. As I've mentioned before, I dance, uh, tango. And when I, when we first arrived in, when we first started here, the, the little dance events that you could go to, they were always free, mm. okay? But they were always in the worst possible bars you could imagine, where the toilets didn't work, where the beer was shocking, where there were no seats. It was, you know, because it was free, you know, it wasn't enjoyable, really. You know, the sound system was, you know, something out of the 1970s or, you know, it was just, just really, really bad experience, so... I wanted to organize my own dance events, little, they called me longer. So people come together to dance tango. And uh, I decided to, to charge. And I was the first person here on the island to charge for people to come to, to, to dance. It wasn't a lot, you know, five, five euros or something to, for a, a night of dancing, you know, and, mm -hmm. but then you can buy a nice sound system. Then you can give the guy at the bar some money for hosting. The, and, and suddenly the toilets are working and people, oh, this is nice. And so if you pay for something, you take it seriously, don't we? If, we, if, we, mm -hmm. if, we, if, we, if you're prepared to put some money into it, it means you're actually being serious about it. Whereas, So I definitely wanted to make it a paid course. But then I wanted to kind of an attach. I'm going to do a, like a Facebook group and I'm going to... Uh, be there to, to, you know, help people along if they've got questions. My daughter's just done, a, um, 
She's just become a certified plant-based nutritionist uh, in Germany. So she's going to join in in the group as well. So at the moment, like I say, I'm still trying to find out how to promote it, kind of connect it with the book. I've got other things going on as well. And yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you know how it is. Just like this yeah. podcast, time flies. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it really is. Will you be talking about the environment or anything like that? Or this is just a hands-on how to become plant-based? No, no, no. It's all in there. There's, there, there's a section on the environment, uh, all aspects. I tried to cover uh, as much as I could. And part of it is the community. I want people to join the Facebook group. I want to sure. be there. And It's important to have some skin in the game because uh, then you take it, you take it more seriously. Yeah, and I don't think it, it, there is a need to have to justify why there's a charge because I, at the end of the day, it's your energy, it's your work, it's your time invested, your creativity, your program that you're putting together. I think it's an investment on our health. There's no bigger investment than your health. I mean, that's right. Yeah. I had my notes with me and I just want to kind of make sure that I'm not forgetting anything. Is Tango. that you'd like? Oh, I would love to talk. Please talk yeah, about it. Yeah, you talked it. a little I, bit about it, but uh, we've just been kind of referencing it from afar. Tango can be dynamite for couples, especially if you've been together a while. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it has, uh, you know, it's a history of splitting people up. So I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not you know, couples that sail together sometimes break up because it's there are many challenges along the way. Yes, there are lots of challenges in tango. And um uh, but it, I mean, okay. So if you're, if you're thinking of a dance, maybe, uh, um, depending on how your relationship is, I mean, obviously everything's different. <laughs> My wife and I have managed to weather the storms coming back to uh, sailing. And, uh, we are now very, very happy. We've come through the other side, but it was a, it was a definitely a bumpy journey. <laughs> so <laughs> when did you become interested in tango? And, uh, it sounds like you were one of the main event coordinators in on the islands. It's a really funny story. Okay, so I'll try to be as brief, but as interesting as possible. <laughs> okay, so my wife and I emigrated to Tenerife in 2012. We moved from Germany to Tenerife. We brought our two teenage children with us. And as well as being, uh, I, I play golf. And my, the first thing I did when I arrived in Tenerife was to join the golf club while I still had money <laughs> to do so. <laughs> so I thought, oh, but I joined the golf club. And uh, you know how men are raised, right? Within, within literally a couple of days, you've got three or four mates, you're playing golf, you know, it's real easy. Men connect really quickly, you know, and they're ringing you up. Do you want to come around again, Al? Yeah. And I was playing golf. And so I'd arrived, I was really, this is just fantastic. I can play golf in my shorts. It's not going <laughs> to rain. Uh, uh, got friends. And this literally happened within the first two, three, four months of getting here. But it wasn't long before my wife said, just a minute, uh, you're off. You've got all these friends. You're playing golf. You're having a great time. But, um, hmm, you know, we're a couple. We're, you, know, what a, what a, <laughs> you know, what about doing something together? Uh, and um, so she suggested that we uh, went on a dance holiday in Italy to learn. Um, well, she had a look basically in the Internet. And she found that there was a tango holiday happening in Italy. So you could, mm. you could go to Italy and you could spend a week learning Argentine tango. Wow. So I just said, okay, whatever. I'm happy to do it. You want to do that? I'll do that. So we, we went over to, to Italy and uh, we arrived there at this uh, 
this this place and i didn't know but everybody else who was on this tango holiday had actually been dancing argentine tango for kind of two years three mm. years we 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 were like you know we nothing about it at all uh, and Argentine tango is different to every other dance because it's an improvised dance. And they dance, you dance to music from, it's really old, you know, music from the 1930s through to 1945. That's like the golden era. So it's music that you've never really heard before. Ah, uh, but within a few days, I was just hooked. I just thought it was fantastic. I mean, I, mean, I was completely useless, of course. I mean, was, you know, kicking people's legs, you know, trying not to kick people's legs, but it had, there was something interesting about it. And the people seemed to be, um, it had a different feel to it than all the other dancers. Cause we, we'd been and done these dance courses with cha-cha-cha and waltz and all these things and jive and they were okay, but it had never really got me in that, in that same way. But this, this was some, this was at a different level altogether, this Argentine tango. So yeah, I got completely hooked and we got back to Tenerife and, and I thought, this is what my wife wants. You know, this is this is it. You know, we, we want to dance, dance. This is brilliant. Something I love. We can do it together. Fantastic. And I launched myself into this whole new world of tango. Found out there was tango going on here in the island. Um, yeah. And uh, like I said, we had a, as a, as a couple, it wasn't actually as smooth as I thought it would be because of various, there's lots of dynamics and there's a lot of women in tango tend to be more women than men. And, you know, you're swapping partners all, all the time. And, and it was, it was difficult for both of us. Uh, you know, um, we, we spend a lot of time trying to find, we, we both love it so much, uh, but we had to find a way that we could both enjoy it together, you know, as a, as a couple. And so, so like now or before Corona, we, we go out to international events where there's always the same number of men and women at the event. So there's no imbalance. So the energy's good because, mm -hmm. you know, some, sometimes you go to events and, 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 you know, there can be like three or four times as many women as men. And that's like really bad for everybody because the energy is really bad. And so we've, we've managed and we've improved, we've practiced a lot. I mean, obviously I'm an organizer myself now and a DJ and, and yeah. But yeah, yeah, I've come a long way. And, and um, so, yeah, that, that's the tango. And in tango, there are a lot of people who are plant-based. A lot of these events where they, they, they like have a, a meal and they'll ask people, what do you want? Does, you know, do you want, do you want meat or, 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 or veggie or vegan? And it's really surprising how many people go for the for the vegan option. Last year in in Brussels, nearly half of all the dancers there were were eating the the veggie option. Wow. So, yeah, it's 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 really surprising. As a, the 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 people there in in the tango world are very open, very open to that kind of uh, of thing. Yeah, it's a strange group of people. The tango world, you know, real. I don't know. It's uh, you either like it or you don't. You know, it's a weird kind of. It's and it's probably not like you imagine either. When I thought of Argentine tango, I thought of all these kind of, you know, leg kicks and arms and legs flying all <laughs> over the place. But it's it's really not like that. It's a social dance, and it's really uh, yeah. the music is just awesome. When you when you get accustomed to it, it's it's like absolutely amazing, really. And 
Yeah, you can yeah. you can get really get seriously hooked into tango. Well, you make me want to go check out some YouTube videos now. I'm going to go research that as soon as right. we're done. Yeah. I'll send you. I'll send you. I'll send you a couple of links to the because there's a lot of tango, and I'll send you a couple of links. I'll send you a couple to, to the ones where yes. you can see where they're dancing the kind of tango that I'm talking about. Okay, it's a yeah. living. It's it's a living dance. It really is. You can go to any city in Europe normally. Uh, yeah. and, and, and there'll be uh, milongas and you can just arrive there mm-hmm. and you can dance with people you've never met before. And, 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 and any, it's just amazing. It's really, really uh, unique dance, really. And it's, yeah. a, a, like I say, a living, a living community. <laughs> Tango has been on my list, but I just, it's, it intimidates me a little bit. For the men, the first year is just awful. Really, <laughs> it, is, it is. The women, the women learn qu- quickly because it, first of all, they, there's two roles in tango. But if you go, Riz, I'm telling you, the first year, you, you, you've got to be committed. But if you can get past that, man, it's a good world. Okay, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. And then, you know, one of your favorite films is, a, it includes ballroom dancing. Mm-hmm. I forgot the title of it, but uh, we're definitely going to check out the information you send us. And so tell us what yoga has done for you and how long have you been practicing yoga? Well, the yoga, the, the, it's like so many things <laughs> in my life. There's nothing planned, really. It just kind of all find a, happens by accident. So I decided four years ago or five years ago that we were going to organize tango holidays ourselves. I mean, mm. how difficult can they, I mean, we love it. You know, we love being around. We get the teachers in from Berlin, you know, uh, the really good teachers. And, and I wanted to find this perfect location for a tango holiday. Uh, and we, the first one we did, we was like a, like a normal hotel, but it was, it wasn't right. It was, it was okay, but the, the atmosphere wasn't right. And one day I thought, ah, something like a yoga retreat would be perfect for a tango holiday. So I found, luckily, a yoga retreat here in Tenerife where this mad guy called Dennis had arrived 50 years ago. The story goes he'd wandered around the island looking for the most energetic spot on the island where he could create this this, this retreat. Well, at, at the time, it wasn't really a retreat. So somewhere where, you know, kind of uh, spiritual people could come together and it basically the materials that is used for all the little houses that is built is there's no there's no um, man-made material so it's either wood or stone or or you know really natural materials for everything like literally everything hmm. and there's you know so and and he won't disrupt nature so if there's a tree in the place where he wants to build a house he will build a house around the tree so in one of the houses there's a tree like literally you know you you the trees in the middle of the house little house where so this this kind of place hmm. they've got this yoga hall and i thought this is amazing this is perfect for people dancing tango in this in this yoga hall so we went there and said can we do a tango holiday here they were a little bit surprised that we want to do such a thing there but they agreed uh, and as we were leaving they said hey have you ever thought about doing yoga and i thought well not really uh, uh-huh. he said well there's a guy coming this evening called uh deep do you want to join his class starts at seven o'clock so my wife i said what do you think she said well why not so yeah we went to this yoga class and that was brilliant, <laughs> it was just brilliant. that was your first time yeah. Wow. I knew nothing about yoga, like literally nothing. And it, the first, you had to sit like in a cross leg position, you know, you know, and I'd not done that since I was at school, since I was like eight or nine years old. God, 
God, it was so comfortable, unbelievable, like just sitting in this cross leg position after five minutes, the whole, you know, the pain. And but he made us sit like that for 20 minutes. When I actually got out of this, this cross leg position, I could hardly lie down. It was that bad, the, the, the agony of it all. But he went through these really basic yoga uh, poses. But at the end of it all, I felt really good. And, mm -hmm. and, and because Dennis, years before, had found the most energetic part of the island, <laughs> no, seriously, you, you, you could really feel that somehow. It was quiet and it's like a little oasis. And so where, where this place is, it's also around a kind of a holiday place for normal people, you know, like a normal so hotels. But in, once you go in this, this Hacienda Cristoforo, it's called, when you go in there, it, it's, the, it's a different world. There's like birds and animals and green trees and everything. So the, it, it has an energy about it. And I really felt it. And when we were sitting there in this agonizing position and doing these stretching, somehow at the end, it, it just felt so good. I wanted to go and do it again. And, uh, and he said to us, he said at the end, he said, he said, I said, if you're going to be serious though about doing yoga, you're going to have to become vegetarian. And I said, no problem. We're already vegan. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, they're, they're interested in their health and everything and being more harmonious with nature. Yes. And, and a vegan diet is more harmonious with nature than, you know, than anything else. Wow. You know, so it makes sense. I think when you, when, when you've stopped eating meat and you've stopped putting that inside, inside yourself, I'm not, I mean, I'm from, I'm from, as you can probably tell, I'm from Sheffield, North of England, working class town, steel city, you know, that not, but, I, since I've been on a vegan plant based and since doing yoga, I definitely am more connected to nature, more mm -hmm. kind of in that, in that way. And I think part of that is because I'm not eating the violence anymore. I really do. Yeah. I really enjoy life or this has been challenging, but you know, I've got a lot going on. I've got four children. I've got four grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'd like to, to, to be as, and, uh, you know, some of the some of the old guys in tango, you know, that they're, they're still dancing tango, you know, and they're in their 70s, some mm -hmm. of them and uh, or 80s even. And yeah, it's a good ambition to have. If I compare that to how my father is, he's just ill in front of the TV. He's no life. You know, that's that's mm -hmm. not what I want. So, yeah, I'm doing these things. I do yoga. I have a regular yoga practice every day. My my routine every morning is I get up, I do half an hour meditation and yoga every day. That's 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 what I do. And meditation, the breathing part of it is also, uh, I absolutely love that, you know? Awesome. Wow, I feel like we can talk for hours with you. You're so fascinating in terms of just so much to talk about. I, I wanna make sure, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to share with our listeners? Obviously, we, we never know who's listening. Uh, I, 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 I just encourage anybody to, you know, who's, who's perhaps stumbled across this or listening for whatever, maybe they've got health concerns or whatever, you know, to, to really look into it. It is so much easier than you think. If, if you embrace it and understand that food can be delicious without, you know, uh, animal products, which it can. I think that's a big concern for most yeah. people that they they think that somehow life will be terrible. The good news is you can still drink beer, you uh -huh. can still drink wine. <laughs> you know, I mean, alcohol is still there. You know, if, uh, I mean, uh, you know, right. but the, there's lots of good good things. Lots of the things that you really enjoy about your food is there. And what you were saying earlier, Maya, uh, was exactly the same for me. That my diet now is is far better 
and far more enjoyable than it ever was before because now I'm actually conscious about my diet. I, 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 I choose my food because first of all, I want to make it taste nice, but also I know it's nutritious. We've not touched upon fiber. Uh, I mean, yeah. like you say, we could probably go on forever, but you know, when you start eating more fiber, lots of wonderful things happen to your body. My, my wife had uh, always had real problems with, with digestion and, and constipation, all sorts of things. And that's been, I mean, she obviously went into plant-based diet, not thinking about that, but mm-hmm. her, that has cleared up. I mean, so many good things happen with fiber and, and that's, that's most people don't realize that. And uh, yeah, digestion, all those things, sleep. I think really it's just a, a case of embracing it and saying, this is, this is who I am now. This is what I'm doing. I'm not doing that nonsense anymore with the animal stuff. I mean, this is for me. And you know, when you start denying things, when you start resisting temptation, you will feel better about yourself. It boosts your self-confidence. Every mm-hmm. time you say no, every time you resist temptation, you feel better about yourself as well. There's so, there's so much upside to it, really. But yeah, it, it feels good to know that you can continue, that you can thrive on this lifestyle. And also where we are now, that the whole world is going in the direction. I think also Corona has moved the world forward in that direction at all. So it's coming anyway. So you might as well embrace it now and, uh, and look forward to a long and healthy life. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth, mm-hmm. isn't it? That yep. is true. Very true. Well, Alan, I want to thank you very much. Uh, I've enjoyed our conversation. Obviously, uh, <laughs> a long conversation. We could talk more, but I want to thank you for joining us and making the time, uh, you know, from uh, not all the way around the world, but, you know, a third of the way around the world. From It's really been uh, good talking to you both as well. Very, very, very nice. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see that you're you're both in it together and, and on a on a journey as well that's very similar to mine so yeah yep. it certainly helps to have your partner uh on the same page right yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's very difficult for those who who aren't uh like-minded mm-hmm. okay all you're... right thank you alan so all much right. for joining us take care bye-bye thank you bye-bye you've been listening to the plant-based dfw podcast show if you like our content please like share and leave a review our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community